Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, including budget cap drama as the 2021 season just refuses to end. Silly season has to be over soon. Alonso in unhappy with his team, shocker. Hamilton thinks the FIA have failed and further uncertainty over the future of the W Series. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron and you're listening to the Formula Words podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Profi. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. The show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm James, and if you're wondering, I'm the one who looks needlessly serious in the podcast artwork. Uh, Abby, though, is definitely smiling, and I hope that's as true in real life as it is in your photo. Yes, it is. It's always a pleasure being on the podcast and that, so I couldn't not smile. How are you, Kenzie, this time? Because there's two oh, of you. Yeah, there's two of us, yeah. Well, it's never a chore. Let's go early on that, shall we? Uh, <laughs> we also have Sam. Sam, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, but I want to know where Ollie got that photo of me from, because it's definitely <laughs> not not the photo that I have on the Formula Nerds website or anything like that. Yeah, I, d- I don't know where that photo's from. There you go. Uh, James, how do you feel about your photo in the uh, the new artwork? I had to change my photo from the one on the Nerds because the one on the, on the Nerds website is, is me in front of a pudding that I just made and was feeling very, very uh, smug about it. Just um, very motorsport-centric, I guess. No, it wasn't very motorsport-centric at all. So the one was, I it, just... was it carrot cake by any chance? Hey! <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. No, it wasn't carrot cake. It was uh, chocolate fondant. It was my first ever one and I was feeling very smug having just made it. Um, you look a bit like a carrot cake today, though. Oh, oh yeah, I am, of course. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing my uh, bright papaya orange. This is a podcast. 
so that you know people have any idea what we're talking about. Oh, I know completely. <laughs> uh, but we no, should I... start uploading the audio, the um, the video. That's the one. Video. Obviously, we do the audio. <laughs> We could do. Anyway, should we crack on with the news? Uh, and yeah, where else to start than with the topic that dominated the weekend in Singapore, the budget cap. So a quick overview for those who may have somehow missed all the talk. The results of F1's first ever budget cap in 2021 are due to be released today at the time of recording. We don't know the results yet. Keep listening uh, to potentially hear what happens at the end of the show if there's uh, something newsworthy that breaks whilst we're recording. Uh, but yeah, carrying on, the initial cost cap was set at $145 million for last year, so an inflation uplift was applied earlier this season. It applies to money spent on car development and performance, but not certain big-ticket items, including driver's salaries. Now, all 10 teams submitted complete documentation in March this year, but over the Singapore weekend, speculation mounted that two teams may be found not to have complied with the rules. Multiple reports before the weekend have claimed Red Bull and Aston Martin may be those teams. Now, what could be the penalty? We've heard lots about 5% being not deemed to be that big a deal. But, I mean, the, the potential penalties range wildly. And it's with no precedent. We don't really know what it could be. It could be anywhere between points, deductions, exclusion from the championship... I mean, financial, but you'd hope not because you can't get fined for spending too much money in a cost cap. But what do you guys think? As things stand now, obviously, uh, what are your thoughts? It's interesting that they've differentiated between a minor breach and a major breach and the the threshold there being, you know, more or less than 5% of the cost cap, which I think works out at something like $7.5 million. But... Matthew Binotto has said that he believes that four million pounds over the cost cap could be worth up to half a second per lap. There's nothing minor about that. So there's there's lots of things things to consider here. But yeah, you're absolutely right, James, that fining someone for spending too much money, unless written in deliberately into the sporting regulations, is a ridiculous penalty or punishment. You know, if they had a luxury tax system like they do in yeah, American sports, fine, but it has to be something more substantive than that, surely. Yeah, I think obviously people are saying that like Hamilton could now be awarded last season's championship if Red Bull are found to have breached the regulations and then get suspended from it or disqualified. And I think 2021 has so much controversy around it already that it it seems like silly to add more to it but at the end of the day these rules are there for a reason if you've broken them you should be punished for it because other teams like Toto Wolff has said that for Mercedes they're using used car parts on their W13 just to fit inside the budget cap because they can't afford to get new ones and it is interesting I think like lots of team principals and Ferrari's racing director and that have all spoken out about it and for me Horner over the weekend with him saying it's an underhand tactic from Mercedes and Ferrari to distract from Verstappen's performance over the weekend where he could have won the championship is just I think that's quite absurd I don't think it is an underhand tactic from them there must be some truth somewhere absurd but, is the word 
Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it was so clear, like deflecting tactics from from Horner there. He's a master of that. But yeah, I mean, like it's not going to distract from Max becoming world champion like at all. He's just, yeah. Well, let's not forget the word that was invented over the weekend either. Uh, that's all one kept on saying. Uh, deflammatory. <laughs> deflammatory. Inflammatory and defamatory. I mean, it's it's a great portmanteau. I like Fun. it, it works. Um, I think F1 has kind of put itself into a bit of a corner with this because there are rumours that the that the both breaches are now within 5%. Um, that, and it depends on what they can do. The, the, the challenge F1 has is you can't penalise for 2021, Abby, as you said, but at the same point, you can't take, you can't, as you said, Sam, find them for spending too much money to the previous season in a cost cap situation. I, I don't know what the best penalty is going to be in this in this scenario. I am genuinely perplexed. Hypothetically, say they are both minor breaches. Within the regulations, there could still be points deductions for those. It's I think only the major ones where they they talk about exclusion from championships. So that is still an option. 2021 is affected. 2022 is also affected because you're developing your car the year before and therefore 2023 is. So you, you're, you've got to look at a kind of a longer window as well when considering what the uh, proportionate response to this would be. And there's so much to consider. For, for starters, VAR has arguably ruined that moment of scoring a goal in football. We can't let the cost cap have the same effect with the championship. We can't be sitting here nine, ten months later going, well, provisionally, Max Verstappen was the world champion. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. But, I mean, F- F1 has to bring the hammer down if there is a substantial... I mean, this is the thing, though, the 5%, it's not insubstantial. And obviously there was there was leeway and there needed to be leeway because it's kind of a moving target. The goalposts move inflation, all this kind of stuff that we've seen has been addressed. But it has to set a precedent. It simply has to, or the cost cap will immediately become a laughing stock, like FFP is now financial fair play for the less football inclined amongst the listeners, where, you know, Man City were found to be guilty and then just paid to get the the world's best lawyers to get them off. And now it's basically ignored. That's the whole point of the cost cap, was to level the playing field. And, I mean... If they can't enforce it, then what was the point in ever bringing it in when now it looks like it's actually unleveling the playing field because people can't pay to to catch up? I think this has been a fun exercise. We've all had fun talking about this, but let's face it, I think we're going to find that both teams are not in breach of the uh, the cost cap and they'll get their little certificate that everyone used to get at school and assemblies. Do you ever get those? Like star of the week kind of things? They'll yeah. get those. Now everyone will be really happy and they'll post photos with their certification um, and we'll all move on and we would have spent a lot of time discussing something for, for no real reason. Well, that's, yeah, that's life in F1, isn't it? That's all we do. We talk about stuff and then we immediately forget it and moan about something else. So let's moan about something else. And that is the never-ending... Sealy season. Isn't that right, James? Indeed, it has to end. H-A-A-A-S. Um, I don't think I can recall a silly season that's had so many different players in at this late stage of the season before. Uh, normally you have one driver that causes a bit of a holdup, etc. But I've ne- we've never had, I think, this many drivers in play. So at the moment, how, how it's looking is uh, Danny Rick is, we now believe in advanced talks with Mercedes-Benz to go there as a as a reserve driver for 2023, which probably is the best place for him. 
Uh, gets a chance for him to rebuild his confidence, be with a title-winning team. We'll see what happens there. Williams, Jos Capito has said it looks like it's going to be announced in Abu Dhabi or just after for Nicholas Satifi's replacement, and that looks like it's going to be Logan Sargent. I'm quite keen to get um, Sam and uh, Abby's thoughts on that one as well. Or potentially Mick Schumacher I'm seeing as well. Because by leaving it after Abu Dhabi, you, that heavily implies to me that Nick DeVries is, as we strongly suspect, Alpha Terry bound, and that they have a, a backup option in place in case Sargent doesn't get the super license points he needs mm. in the F2 championship. So they'll, they'll obviously have a failsafe there. And Nick DeVries, I can't see how he's going to get all the way to November without being either signed by AlphaTauri or Williams just go, you know what, it's not worth the risk. Let's let's sign him up. But also, surely Nick DeVries would choose AlphaTauri at this stage. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a, he has apparently signed. We're just waiting to hear well, it, is the short version, I guess. But we're waiting to hear if I... He'll go to, he's going to go to AlphaTauri, which then frees up Pierre Gasly to go to uh, Alpine, which is going to be a driver lineup, which is going to be, shall we say, a little bit spicy, given those two don't really get along. Um we could have the combination of, yeah, K-Mag and Hulk and, you know, suck my balls, mate. <laughs> they're, they're infamously, oh, uh, just to give some context yeah, yeah. for someone who's uh, <laughs> maybe not a newer F1 fan, <laughs> that was something that K-Mag said to Hulk uh, during a post-race interview when they'd had a bit of a, a, a fracas. Uh, yeah, so we could have that and we could have the all-French <laughs> drama of Ocon and Gasly who apparently hate each other at Alpine. So some, some things... Be, some things to unpack, right? First of all, I wasn't like sighing at your use of suck my balls. I was actually sighing originally at you bringing Hulkenberg back into the conversation. Can we just move on from Nico Hulkenberg? Well, no, because it, apparently well, no. he's one of two. No, He's in line, yeah. yes. he's in line to take the seat from Mick Schumacher. He is the prime candidate now. It's yeah. either him or Schumacher who's going to get that seat, we believe. I don't know if there's anyone else now in the frame for Haas. I think it's just Hulkenberg and Schumacher. That's all that's, that's going to have. That's the speculation, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's going somewhere else. Um, but, James, can we just talk about your correct, very front French pronunciation of fracas? <laughs> or fracas, Maybe as sure everyone in the UK calls it. <laughs> Genuinely, even before I moved here, I've only ever said fracas. Oh, that's because you're like... I'm, I'm, I'm because I'm born and raised in class. Windsor, my friend. I speak the Queen's English and the Queen's French. Sorry, James, you, you can't use that. I, I was born in Winchester. I speak Queen's English. I've always said fracas. Hang on, I said Windsor, not Winchester. Windsor. Close by, so like, in, like, what, was it 45 minutes away? But anyway, let's move on. Back to, let's go back to Nico Hulkenberg. I like it Back more to the there. drivers. Back to the drivers. Do we think Nico Hulk, I mean, out of the two of them, Nico Hulkenberg is the better fit for Haas, I think, to be honest. And I can see why, why, why they want to bring him back because they brought back K-Mag to replace Mazepin. And with all due respect to Mazepin, he was Mazepin. Um, and the difference for, for Haas this year with Kevin Magnussen has been extreme because he's a safe pair of hands, he knows what he's doing, and he's performed ex- extremely well. Hulkenberg, I can see Sam's, Sam's hands in his face. Um, Hulkenberg did screw up his chance uh, for podiums, but he is still a fast driver and has had a fantastic super sub season in 2020 and in 2021. So I, I, I think what has her after is stability and some consistency after having a year with two, uh, should we say, very, very rookie drivers. Um, I'm going to let Sam have it, see what he says. Nico Hulkenberg hasn't been in a full-time race seat since 2019. 
is a new evolution of Carr. Yes, he stepped in, what, in all three seasons that he's been out. And he's performed quite well. But he's in his mid-30s and he didn't quite have that X factor. And if you're Haas, you've got to be looking, you've got to have one eye on the future. I, re- I really like Nick and I really, wa- and I really think I want him to stay, but he crashed so much at the start of the season and it, and it, he's not got the new car parts. He's not had the new chassis because of course the team's not been able to afford it. He has started to show some pace now. And I think that's because he's driving under pressure. Um, I think he may well end up in Williams should Logan Sargent fail get to get the super license points. That's what's going to save his career now. I, I, I Otherwise, I think, unfortunately, he, his time is done. Well, the person that started the whole silly season was Fernando Alonso. And in Singapore, Alonso has been Alonso. He retired from the race as well as his teammate Ocon. So it was a double DNF for Alpine. And he has said that it's really unacceptable because of the points that Alpine have missed out on. They were battling with McLaren in the Constructors' Championship and they were ahead. But now they are behind in fifth because of their double DNF, whereas McLaren had a rather spectacular weekend based on their performance this season. So Alonso has placed a lot of emphasis on how the retirements of him and Ocon have caused Alpine to miss out on a lot of points and how it's not very good for their season because they could have been up there closer to Mercedes. And he said that the standings that Alpine and both drivers are in don't really reflect their performances in the races because they have performed well. They've just had unfortunate situations happen to them. So with that, one, do you guys think that Alpine can fix these reliability issues? And will we see them in Japan have a stronger weekend because Ocon says we can rely on a weekend for next week. That's for sure. More than anything else, he just thinks that they're going to be quick. And two, with Alpine versus McLaren, who do you think will come out on top? I still think Alpine will have the measure of McLaren for the full season. Danny Ricks had a he had a brilliant race in, in Singapore. Singapore was it 16th to 5th? Fantastic. But nonetheless, he was still, was it 21 seconds behind Norris on the soft compound tyre with Norris on the mediums? Um, The fact is, is that Lando is still pulling that team forward. And I'm saying that dressed in a full McLaren papaya top. Um, Alonso and Ocon are consistent and have been consistent the entire year, which is why they were over 20 points ahead of McLaren going into Singapore. That result was unfortunate for them. They won't finish 22 points ahead now but I think they will continue because unless Lando finishes in the top, what, three or four, three or four for the rest of the year, um, he's not going to be able to keep those Alpines behind him. That needs two cars. And I just don't think they've got that so far. So to answer your first question, Abby, I, I think at this point of the season, your reliability is kind of set to some extent, especially with the, the lack of updates that they can either afford or yeah, are able to bring or it is worth bringing at this point um they've kind of they've varied their their reliability issues i think so it's not like it's one silver bullet that could save them either so that is mclaren's one real hope is that yeah alpine failed to fix those issues and continue to drop points i'd agree i I think renault still going back into when they were called renault um They've struggled a lot with their power unit since the hybrid era began in 2014. They've made leaps and bounds, particularly this season. But that Renault have always been on the back foot. 
when it comes to it comes to that level. So I think they they've improved a lot. Will they improve the rest of the year? Simply put, no. Um, and I and, and I I do think that McLaren have the reliability. They just don't have the speed to go with it. <laughs> so uh, we'll see who uh, who who comes out on top. But uh, Alonso was, as you say, Abby Alonso. He wasn't a happy bunny. Um, I think he tends to change his tune, doesn't he? I think we say he said it was sixty points uh, that he'd lost that, we, that the team had lost uh, this weekend. Failed to uh, fix course of the season, but a few races back he said he lost over a hundred. Uh, so it's it, it 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 tends to vary depending on his mood. Yeah, I mean uh, Alonso. Yeah, he's, it's just become a, a competition of who's you know who's lost whom the most points really between Alonso and Alpine because they were complaining about him earlier in the season but I mean if nothing else it's nice to have an actual a bit of competition somewhere in the championship still you know that that fight for p4 is kind of all we've got now with the drivers wrapped up and it now looks like yeah Red Bull are miles clear and, and Ferrari are comfortably clear of Mercedes for second pretty much but I mean that leads us on to our next topic which is yeah Lewis Hamilton and his thoughts on whether the FIA have succeeded with their new regulations Yes, and thank you very much for that beautiful segue, James. I appreciate that a lot. You're welcome. So Lewis Hamilton has come out and said that he believes that the sport has failed in bringing the field closer together. I don't know about you guys, but I'm inclined to agree with him. Uh, So Lewis was asked by Sky Sports F1 if he remains optimistic that the pack can tighten up. And he said, yeah, they're supposed to do that. I assume the new regulations is, is what he's referring to there. But it's not achieved what it was supposed to achieve. So yeah, we failed in that. And I mean, he said he goes on to you know, elaborate a little bit more, but the crux of the the conversation is within that short snippet. There, the new regulations have actually led to quite big gaps between some of the teams. Ferrari and Red Bull are miles clear, and arguably the situation is worse than it was last year when Mercedes and Red Bull were a long way clear. And then throughout the rest of the pack, I don't know, the midfield doesn't seem as tight as it was before. Do you guys think that they can rectify these issues? Or do you think the cost cap potentially holds these gaps in place? I think that there could be more to be done to help rectify them. Obviously, we've seen closer racing. We have seen some good battles on track this year. But it still hasn't really brought them together because Red Bull, like, yes, Red Bull and Ferrari are ahead in the constructors, but Red Bull is still over one, way over 100 points clear of Ferrari. And at the beginning of the season, I was quite excited because I was like, we, can, we might get more than two teams fighting for the constructors. We can see like a three-way battle, a four-way battle. But at the moment, it's just a one-way battle with Red Bull and then the only way is if like they don't finish a race and Ferrari managed to succeed and score the maximum points. So it is. I do agree with Hamilton in that respect that it hasn't. That there is more to be done. I'm not entirely sure what the cost cap could come into it, but I do think it needs to be looked at because the goal that the FIA was set out to achieve hasn't been achieved in the best way that it could be. So Lewis will take a lot of hate for this in comment sections across social media because obviously of all the success that he has had, uh, they'll say, oh, well, no, he doesn't like it now that it's the shoe's on the other foot. And, but he's right. He is right. The, the regulations haven't succeeded. And ironically, the, the budget cap, yeah, will mean that people can't catch up. It's maybe too early to tell 
I think when we get into next season, the early stages of that, we'll have a better understanding of actually following another postseason. How does the order shift? How does it change? Who catches up? Who doesn't? What are the the regulation changes that have big or small effects? But yeah, it'd be nice to get back to that. Like even in the Schumacher dominance eras, I think it was 2003 where you had Montoya in a Williams, Raikkonen in a McLaren and Schumacher really, really fighting out to the last couple of rounds of the season in three different cars. And you and had... And Alonso in a Renault. And Alonso in a Renault. Oh, so yeah. You, and that was, that was actually considered a fairly boring era. Um, so we need to get back to that point where there's more than a couple of teams in the fight, I think for me, is the, is the big thing. You need to have three or four teams that could win on any given Sunday. Well, over the weekend in Singapore, it wasn't just F1 racing, it was also W Series. They were originally supposed to race in Japan, but due to unforeseeable circumstances, they had to change to Singapore. And it was quite an interesting race. Bainscovissa won the race, whilst Jamie Chadwick, who could have won the title last weekend, crashed out. Which, considering I think she's won the past seven consecutive races, I was very surprised at, which is now spiced up the championship shall we say because she's she's still leading on 143 points but Visser, Pau and Pulling are all potentially in contention to win the championship this year but another thing about W Series is that it might not get to the end of the season because of budgets and then the devaluation of the pound as well that the CEO Catherine Bonmure has said that there are a lot of factors that are adversely affecting the W Series and she's not sure whether they'll be able to complete the final two rounds at Cota and Mexico. So to you guys, do you think Chadwick can still win coming from her crash in Singapore? And what do you think about them not being able to complete their season? Yeah, I mean, I think even with that mistake, and it's her first DNF in W Series, even with that mistake, the title is there for the taking for Chadwick. Um I think I think there was only one other race where she didn't win this season. Um, so yeah, she's so dominant, and in a non-rain affected weekend or you know non-rain flag affected qualifying session, she's always at the pointy end. And she only needs to see it home with podium finishes from now. Really, let's face it. So yeah, I think it's critically important the W Series finishes the season and gets funding for the seasons moving forward because it does provide a platform and an opportunity for these drivers to race. And I've always said that it's brilliant what W Series is doing, but long-term there needs to be ways of getting those drivers into Formula 3, Formula 2, Indy Lights, and then moving up through into series at the Pinnacle of Motorsport that aren't just, you know, support or junior feeder series. So it plays its part and it can't be curtailed so soon into the project. What would the message be from the FIA if it gets canned? After all the work to get women, uh, you know, have those Formula 3 tests to, to build the series in itself, all the work that David Coulthard, everyone else has done to really get the series off the ground. And then it dies without a trace. It, it it would just be, it, one, it would be awful, and two, it would just be unacceptable in terms of what the FIA needs to do. 
So I really hope they do get some funding, but I don't know where the funding would come from. That's the interesting thing. And I just hope they secure it personally. And in terms of Jamie Chadwick, I think she'll still win. She'll, she will rally at the next round. I think she's, she's a strong enough competitor to have a bad race and not let it affect her too much. Um, I think, I think she'll still win personally. The funding surely has got to come from the top of the sport. Be it the FIA, be it Formula One. There are ways for that money to be made available, surely. It's, it seems mad that we're talking about this when it's a sport that generates so much revenue. You, you'd hope that teams would step forward and because surely there are shareholders and there's profits there that outside of the cost cap scenario you know, don't they don't need to be played into that essentially there's money there right well you're right but we'll have to leave it there because we've run out of time for this week thank you for joining us everybody be sure to head over to formulanerds.com to check out the latest news and then go and have a listen to the cut to the race podcast on sunday we reviewed the singapore grand prix with my personal highlight being abby's shock driver of the day choice so be sure to go and check that out and then tell her on twitter why she's wrong uh, <laughs> of course we'll be back <laughs> Of course, we'll be back with a review of the Japanese Grand Prix this weekend. But that's you up to date with the World of F1 for now. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Let's let's sign off in a different way and not just do our traditional poem. <laughs> no one has any idea. Au revoir? Au revoir, maybe? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, why not? How's Adios. the pronunciation? How's the pronunciation? Was it of James's au revoir? Oh, it was, it was all right. Yeah. Au revoir? Is that better? Au revoir? Or if what? Like a, someone born in Winchester. Yeah. There you go. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. Salut, everyone. We'll be back to catch you up soon enough, but it's Mike's off, and away we go till next week. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.